guys, welcome back to the Nevermind Poly podcast. My name is Matt, I'm your host, and I chat to rock and metal bands from around the world. And this week we are going to America to chat with David of the band Revocation. How are you? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm good. Good morning as well. How has your morning been? It is morning for you guys, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, morning's good. I went for a walk. I got a breakfast sandwich, <laughs> cup of cold brew coffee. Feeling, nice. feeling pretty good. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Um, so as we briefly alluded to uh, before we started recording, big fan of your band. Um, and when I got sent the re- the new record, um, Never, Never Heaven, um, I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. This is the fucking band. Let's go. So I immediately hit up your lovely PR people and was like, please, can I chat to this band? I love them. And they were like, sure, no worries. So I've been kind of fangirling a little bit, trying to trying to keep it under under wraps. But um, how, is, how has life been the last sort of few, few months of, sort of the last year? Because obviously don't want to talk about COVID too much because it's so boring and everybody's over it right. but how's it been <laughs> been good we'll just you know yeah. we, we'll put it that way we, we did our tour mm. in in March with Cannibal Corpse back in the states mm. shows were packed I think almost every show was sold out like 2,000 cap venues uh so yeah I think we're we're good to forge ahead here amazing stuff amazing stuff so i kind of want to obviously touch on the new record um never heaven um you guys have as a band have been a solid unit since 2015 with no sort of lineup changes or anything like that your album number eight how does that feel as as a as a guitarist as a frontman as a musician because it must be pretty exciting to be kind of on the on the cusp of releasing your eighth record but also you're not a commercially viable band. You're not going to be heard on the radio station and things like that because of the type of music you play. So eight records deep. How does that feel for you guys? Um, I mean, it feels, uh, it feels crazy that we've been doing it for this long. Uh, we have had lineup changes. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 for sure. yeah. But, but we're still, yeah, we're still plugging along. I feel like the band's stronger than ever. Um, I feel like nether heaven is, some of our strongest material ever. Um, I mean, right. I mean, I'm probably biased because I think every time you write a new record, it's always your favorite one, but this is definitely yeah, my favorite album that we've ever put out. Um, yeah, it just, it feels great that we have such a killer core fan base that allow us the artistic freedom to do whatever the hell we want. I mean, we can, mm. I can always rely I can trust my my gut when I'm writing music. I don't have to worry about like, oh, what's, you know, what's the label gonna think, or what's, you know, what what are our fans gonna think? I feel very free when I write revocation, so I'm I'm thankful for that, and it's it's cool that we've developed a career over a good long while now. Um, I mean, I remember when we were kind of like the the new kids on the block, right? We were like the the, the fresh faced uh, death thrash band, and and now like after years of touring with with iconic bands um, yeah we, sure. we've developed like a really great relationship with other bands with our fan base with with the label yeah it feels it feels crazy that we're still still kicking on well i mean i mean that is really cool because that's that's the thing you you guys are not uh like you say you're not cute and cuddly i mean you're a very cute cuddly man but you know what i mean in terms of the music you write it's very in your face and it is a it is a spin kick to the face uh, in the best possible way. You touched upon um, obviously being being on tour with Cannibal Corpse and things. 
Um, I don't know how much you want to touch on it because it potentially might be a bit of a touchy subject and I can cut it if you like, but um, Pre-Crucification, um, which is obviously a song with written with the late Trevor from Black Dylan Murder and Cannibal Corpse. Mm. How did that come about? How was, because, you know, losing Trevor is such a fucking horrible thing. And I mean, I'm just a fan of that band. Obviously, you guys are, are more a personal t- touch being on, on the record and things. So how, how was that? And how did that come about? Um, well, both George and Trevor, friends of mine, mm. um, we've we've toured a lot with Cannibal Corpse and we've done some touring with uh, Black Dahlia Murder in the past. Uh, Trevor became a really close friend of mine over the years. And I mean, we would h- hang out like off tour together, just like go out to, you know, bar and just shoot the shit and have some laughs and drink some beers. Um, so obviously heartbreaking, um, losing Trevor. Um, I mean, though, it's. He made such an impact on the, the metal scene in general. Um, yeah. But uh, in terms of how it came about, I mean, it was just this very simple. Just texted him like, hey, man, you want to be on the new record? And uh, he was like, hell yeah. Like, you know, that, that's the cool thing about Trevor. He just like he's just such a metal fan. So, yeah, um, yeah he was he, he was home and able to do it. And the same thing with George. So I think I think Brett hit up George, my bass player, hit up uh, yeah. Corpse Grinder and I hit up Trevor. And they were both available and, and their performances on the new record are, are two of the highlights for me. I mean, that that whole song, um, I think it came out really cool. And, you know, normally there's if you're having a guest on a record, it's it's normally just like one guest person on a song. Yeah. And, cool. and you don't normally have two guys on a song and for the and then for them to be both powerhouses like that. I think it came out really special. Um, you know, it's it's the closing track on the record. The last, the last few records we've closed with more kind of like epic, longer songs. You know, they maybe have fade outs. Um, with with this one, I wanted to go the exact opposite direction. Um, mm. I, this kind of goes back to what I was saying in terms of our, our our fan base. I think is down for us to have the creative freedom to to do whatever we want. So I didn't want people to get complacent or think that they knew what the last track was going to be. I wanted to go. Yeah total 180 and just like the like the fastest most ripping track on the record is is the last one and i just wanted to tear people's heads off and and having both those guys on there i think only adds to that so um yeah it was just as it was just as easy just texting the guys and they were around so thankfully we've made those connections and bonds with with people over the years and it's crazy because you know you look at you look up to these guys and then all of a sudden like you do some tours and you hang out and you shoot the shit have some beers, have some laughs. And then you're like, oh yeah, these are like my homies now. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's cool. It's like this weird uh, heavy metal fraternity or, or or brotherhood or I don't know, like summer camp, you know, however, however you want to think about it. But the, the, the bonds that you make on the, on the road are very special. And I've found they last a lifetime because you're just in it together. And it's just such a crazy thing that so few people get to experience on that level. So mm. when, when you go out on tour and, and you, you're, you're all in it together, yeah, it just is one of those special bonds. It's like when you meet up with like an old best friend that you haven't seen for years, like you can just kind of pick up right where you left off. Um, and a lot of people that I've met in the touring scene are like that because we, we don't all get to see each other all the time. Obviously, we're all doing our own different things, but you, know, you link up and you, you reminisce about a random tour that you've done together or you know just some inside joke and... Uh, it just kind of brings you back to that to that moment. 
I love that. I love that. And I just want to say uh, on on the note of Black Dallin Murder and Trevor especially, they were one of the first uh, sort of more extreme bands I've ever seen. Uh, and I only got to see them once. They played my hometown in, in the UK and it was one of the most heavy things I've ever witnessed. But at the same time, like between song patter, he was just like, thank you, so, like so grateful. And it was it was just like this guy who's like snarling his way through the set and like screaming his guts out. He's just the nicest dude. So that's re- it's really cool to hear that that that's that was what it what it was like for for you guys as well. Um, I want to go go kind of go back a little bit um to your origins and what kind of made you become the guitarist and the front man and the band person you are today. So, do you remember the first record you ever picked up with your own money? Um, might have been, uh, well, I was like, as a kid, I loved like Weird Al. So like, okay. I was like really into like Weird Al as a kid. I thought it was like, just fucking hilarious. Still do. I still love Weird Al. I think he's sick as fuck. Um, yeah. um, but in terms of like rock, yeah, I went from like Weird Al maybe like bad hair day or like, you know, one, one of those records. And then mm-hmm. I got the whole weird Al discography, like on tape. I mean, this is like, I'm kind of <laughs> dating myself now. Um, but yeah, I had the good. whole weird Al discography and then got into Aerosmith. And I, and then I, like, as a kid, I could, I could kind of see like, okay, like Aerosmith, this is like on paper, like a cooler band. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're more rock and roll, more attitude, like, they're doing drugs and partying and shit. You know, Weird Al's very yeah. straight and narrow and, and playing a accordion, um, which I think still, st- I still mm. love Weird Al. So no shade to yeah, Weird Al. No, but love that. <laughs> diff- different vibe, right? Um, mm. Like I, Weird Al didn't make me want to play accordion, right? <laughs> but Joe Perry made me want to play guitar. So I, 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 um, I remember, I think Nine Lives was the record. I was, I was like in like fifth grade or something like that. Got into Aerosmith from there, like, asked my mom to get me a guitar based off of just pretty much just like seeing the uh falling in love is hard than these music video got me a guitar i had like a yamaha pacifica which is like it's kind of like a telecaster knockoff looking guitar um started taking lessons like i think like aerosmith walk this way was like the first riff i ever learned and just kind of studied on my own and then like i think slowly i just kind of the the timeline was like i got in was getting more and more extreme and you can kind of draw the line from like like weird al on in terms of getting heavier and and more pissed so i went like aerosmith and then i got into guns and roses and i got into pantera and then once i got into pantera like there's such like a gateway band that Mm. so many bands are like connected to that and it's kind of easy to go down more kind of extreme offshoots from there Um, i mean even just the shirts those guys were wearing and like photo shoots and stuff like that made me mm-hmm. like go like oh who's like who's crowbar or who's like i hate god yeah. or who's or who's you know what's that logo i can't read oh that's mayhem and then like then all of a sudden you discover like black metal right and then yeah anyway so what like after pantera it was kind of like i dove into all these different sort of genres all around like the same time so i got really into like old school thrash and you know even like kind of modern thrash uh and and then death metal and technical death metal and all these different uh, you know offshoots of that and and grindcore and black metal and melodic death metal all, all these different bands I remember hearing like in flames for the first time and sure. i couldn't like it was like hard for me to process because it was like so melodic 
like yeah the, the vocals were brutal and it was like heavy but it had like these like super melodic parts i'm like oh, this is really weird like i was like hearing like you know oracle or like colony for the first time like it's super interesting like i've never like i didn't know you could be that melodic with mm -hmm. with death metal um because yeah. i was just used to like i think at that point it was like it wasn't getting into cannibal corpse right and you're seeing like the butchered at birth album yeah. cover <laughs> and all this stuff and it's like oh yeah like death metal is this and then you're like oh wait actually death metal is this whole range of different things it could be like horror themed or it could be cosmic or it could be yeah. melodic and have folk influences and all, all these different things so um yeah i remember just like diving into the, the the heavy metal pool head on um and by the time i was in like i don't know eighth grade ninth grade it's just like metal was like all i cared or could think about absolutely and that that kind of leads me quite nicely onto my next question which is kind of like so you, you described, obviously, death metal being the umbrella in which a lot of things sit. And I personally, I don't really believe in putting uh, bands in boxes and things because we are so multifaceted as, as humans and, and art as well. But if you could sum up your band for someone who's never heard you in like a sentence, I will usually say three words, but I don't think that's very fair for you guys. But in a sentence, what would you say if someone had never heard you guys? I'll go three words. Fucking death metal. How about that? <laughs> I love it. Fucking death metal. I mean, that that's the fairest way to put it, I think. That is that's beautiful. I love that. Um so but there's a disclaimer, you know, when you know with, with thrash metal, <laughs> progressive, and, and you can just list all the other influences after that. Absolutely. Um, so go, going back to the first record, Empires of the Obscene, is there anything you guys would change knowing what you know now in terms of your career directory up to now is there any decisions you'd do differently anything you'd change to get to where you are um well so that's a complicated question because mm. of course there's things that i would change now um but in terms of like i was in a totally different mindset then right so who knows mm -hmm. like if what if we change certain formulas what trajectory that would have led us on i can you know i just have to say like hey i've put out all this music i wrote that at the time i was in a certain headspace um, yeah, and sure. you know for some of it like certainly like maybe certain songs i wouldn't write today but mm. as a kid like when you're when you're experimenting with different things when you're when you're getting all this music at once and you're trying to make sense of it and filter it through your own kind of creative mind as an artist like you're going to experiment with different songs with different different riffs uh just different ideas in general so I think some of that's some of the times you just need to get it out so that you make room for for new things. Um, mm -hmm. We've certainly experimented with our sound over the years, but in doing that, you know, sometimes things work, sometimes things don't work. Um, I mean, the cool thing about music is for for some people, may, maybe my least favorite revocation song might be someone's absolute favorite, right? Yeah, so sure. it all like it's all um, relative like that, right? Because like after I, once. I'm done writing the song and recording it and, and, and putting everything I have into it. And then I send it out. It's, mm. it's out there for everyone to consume yeah, and everyone's sure. going to have their own opinion. So for me, I might, my taste may have, in my opinion, evolved or changed. Um, but for someone else, maybe that was the first song that got them into revocation. And we all know nostalgia is such a powerful thing, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. the shit that you, you know, 
someone's favorite, you know, you might be like a, a five-star chef, but <laughs> your favorite dish might be some like mac and cheese that your mom made you like when you were a kid. And like, that's still the thing that you think about, right? Cause it's like comfort sure. food and it brings you home or whatever rather than you, but you're like this famous chef working in a French Michelin star restaurant. Anyway, sure. so the things from our childhood, from our formative years, those, those memories, those experiences, that nostalgia is, is, is so goddamn powerful. So, um, yeah, something that might be my least favorite could be someone's absolute favorite. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so for me, I think I had to get it out there. I had to write it so that I can move on to new things. And because we've experimented so much, now I feel like the revocation sound is, like, fully defined. We're still going to push ourselves. We're still going to experiment. But because we, we – we're good, but we're going to experiment like in a different way. And I think we're only going to like kind of strengthen our sound. Like we found our sound concretely and now mm -hmm. it's just a matter of like, okay, how do we work within this framework so that mm. we write more and more interesting music? Cause sometimes like putting a, um, working within a framework can actually unlock new creative doors because, you know, if you just have free reign to write anything, it, it, it might sound disjointed or it might, it might not have like a cohesion there. Um, but you could say, Oh, well, I'm not putting any boundaries or limitations on myself. So naturally it's going to be better artistically, but that might not always be the case. Sometimes working within the framework can actually lead you to be even more creative because you can't just, you have to think about things differently. It's like a kind of a different puzzle that you have to, to solve, which, um, it's just the songwriting process, the artistic process is so fascinating to me. And everyone's got a different process, which is also pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, you guys just being a three-piece, it makes things, I, I would guess, easier than someone like, uh, take, I don't know, like Slipknot, who's nine members. So you, that's nine collaborative people who've all got their own opinions. All, how does that work for you guys? Obviously, being a three-piece, is it quite a, um, is it like yourself just doing the majority of like, the, the riffing and things and then you send it to the guys or do you all come together collaboratively collaboratively can't speak today fucking hell um <laughs> how does that work for you guys um so i write the majority of the music on uh, i write the, all of the lyrics um mm -hmm. but of course you want to collaborate with the members of your band right so i i like yeah, to play sure. on the other guy's strength so mm -hmm. i'm not the type of dude where I micromanage every little thing. I mean, I'm, I think I'm leading the charge when it comes to, I'm, I'm the band leader. I can say that confidently, um, yeah, sure. but I don't like go in and program out all of like the drum beats that I want. Cause some people get really meticulous like that. Like mm -hmm. I, I feel lucky my, the way my mind works, like I can hear just drum beats over riffs. Like I don't need to like have a, like a, a drum pro program drum machine in place in order for me to hear the idea. I can just envision that. Um, so I'll hop on our, our, our drummer is Canadian. He lives in Vancouver. So we'll hop on right. Skype or zoom and I'll just like air drum the parts, yeah. <laughs> vocalize them to him. Yeah. And like, I can't play drums, but I can, I can speak drums pretty well. So yeah, I'll basically sure. just tell him, Hey, I'm picturing a thrash beat here or a blast beat, or, you know, here's like a kick pattern that I have in mind that might go over like the. Like, here's what I'm playing on the guitar. Like, can you link up with that, like, on the kick drum or, like, do a tom thing that accentuates that? But as far as, like, you know, from, from there, like, th those are kind of sometimes specific, but, you know, like, more general things. And then I just let him go. Um, you know, 
there on the new record uh there's a song called the ninth chasm which is an instrumental song and ash has a drum solo on there so i i didn't tell him what to play but i gave him that was an instance where he was being creative and then i gave him my feedback right Mm -hmm. where i'd say okay cool like i love the the drum fill that you did at that point i love what you did here maybe this part like maybe we'll take that out and try something different there or maybe that part should be at the end or that part should be at the beginning so i think i kind of gave him my two cents on sort of construction when it comes to something like that. But I mean, all the ideas that he's that are that are being created are coming from him. And then he's mm-hmm. just kind of bouncing them off me. So uh, and it's a similar thing with 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 the with the baselines, like I'll come up with like a general concept, or even sometimes a specific thing, but then I'll give it to Brett, and he'll kind of put his, it'll he'll filter it through his creative mind mm-hmm. as a bass player. And then he'll he'll throw some things at me. Um, or I'll, or I'll give him an idea and then he'll say, oh, what if we did this? And then, you know, because then it fits more with his style. I mean, even just the, 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 the playing style of, of, of Brett, like how he attacks the bass is going to be different than if I were to play the bass lines yeah, on the record. Right. Like we all have our own like personal touch. So I come up with the, with the music and the song structures and the lyrics, and then I take it to the guys and uh, I let them do their own thing with it, um, even though there might be some guidance there. But I'm trying to play off of their their strengths and and play off of their creativity. For sure, for sure. And obviously, you said that you write the lyrics and things for the record. That is such a fascinating thing to me personally because your lyric writing, your themes of the albums, going from this one moving backwards, are so grand and conceptual in that respect like you know you go to like a, the darkest of dark places how <laughs> i guess is my question how do you get into kind of that headspace of right does it just come naturally out of you or do you have to physically like go right i'm getting into a headspace of where i'm writing this sort of more darker theme material you know what i mean yeah i have to go into a headspace um mm. i write music mm-hmm. constantly throughout the year um yeah it's not like every time I sit down, something comes out, but throughout the course of a year, I'm always going to be writing something. Just I'm just going to get that urge to pick up the guitar and play and see what comes out. Um, but as far as lyrics go, I don't write all throughout the year um, because, yeah, I think it is more of a darker kind of subject. Uh, and maybe I don't want to put myself in that headspace. Um mm-hmm you know, all year round, especially no, when it comes sure. to things like, um, I, I can, but I will say I do, I do consume media, um, you know, whether it's the news or, you know, reading, I mean, it's not like every time I'm reading something, it's like the most brutal thing ever. Like sometimes I'll, exactly. read, I'll be yeah. reading, you know, an autobiography of John Coltrane or something like that. And it'll be inspiring <clears throat> to me. Um, but I do like to read, you know, horror sci-fi or, um, even certain, you know, uh, political books that are, um, you know, touch on sort of brutal subject matter, um, you know, whether it's you know inequality or um, uh, I, I read uh, Damien Eccles' book, uh, um, Life After Death, which is he was wrongly convicted uh, and was like on death row for like 20 years and then finally got out. So, um, you know, books that are from from real life but but deal with you know tragic or or, or brutal um subject matter um, yeah, for sure. and then i'll just kind of 
I guess, internalize that. And then when it comes time to write lyrics, that yeah. those, I can kind of bring myself back to some of those feelings that mm -hmm. I got when I was reading this book or watching that documentary. Um, yeah, for sure. But certainly with how dark things were um, in, in terms of obviously the pandemic worldwide, but specifically to what was happening in America at the time and the, and the, the, the political discourse and everything that was happening behind the scenes there was deeply troubling to me. Um, so when it came time to write, there was definitely no shortage of emotions to, to conjure up um, since everything mm. was sort of so pent up for the past couple of years. Absolutely. And, I, and I've said for the last few years, the, the amount of just shit that's gone down in the world in general, whether it is equality, whether it is political uh, systems going, getting, you know, whatever, it's kind of like, there's going to be some really good metal coming out of that. That's kind of the one good thing I thought to myself, well, you know, the world's going to shit, but there's going to be some great metal records before we all uh, pop it. Because it's right, just, right. Uh, um, but what I do want to bring things into a kind of a lighter mood, um, Diabolical uh, Majesty, the video is one of the funniest yet greatest things I've ever seen. That you guys built a fully, or did you guys build the skate ramp in oh, the shirt? Oh no, no, or was that, that, that already there? That would have been that would have been way too much work. Yeah, no, that was already built. Was that's, yeah, that that so that's a, a like a church in St. Louis. It was basically I, I don't know if it was condemned, but like it mm. it was. In a, in a state of dilapidation and I don't think the city wanted to deal with it. Basically, like, I don't some I guess some investors got together or, you know, some people in the skate world and we're like, hey, let's like all kind of pool together and, and purchase this building and turn it into like a cool like community space, like skate park. Amazing. So yeah. that place is, I don't know how long it's been around for that uh, it, being used as a skate park, but I mean, all of those ramps, all that shit was already uh, built in there. I mean, you know, a metal band's not going to have the budget to go in and, and uh, take well, over that... a church and, and build a giant skate park in it. Um, I would love if we had that level of budget, but this was something that we discovered on tour and we got in touch with the people that were involved with it. Luckily, they were available. Um, and we, yeah, we used that that whole space um, for three videos, actually. So there's two more coming that we filmed there. Oh, amazing. Okay, yeah. incredible. In different I... locations. So the other videos mm. aren't going to look similar yeah. to that. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely a good find for sure. I, I just thought it was really, I, I just thought it was really cool. I was like, that's fucking wicked. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously speaking about tour, you guys are on tour pretty much from uh, next week in America all the way through till October and then Europe, January, February. Mm -hmm. um, do you, do you, what do you like about tour? What do you not like about tour? Do you miss sort of home and family and things? Or is it a case of boys were on the road, let's, let's have it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I guess as I get older, I miss mm. some, some of the comforts of home, right? Like, like sleeping in your bed that's not <laughs> yeah. moving at 80 miles an hour down the highway <laughs> um so there's that but I just i love touring so much uh it makes you kind of forget about those types of things and i think i'm very i think we can all be like stubborn in our own ways or we all i mean we're, we're creatures of habit right like there's just we can either get into good habits or we can get into bad habits but like that's one thing about the humans we kind of like to kind of fall into our our grooves um yeah. so i'm certainly like that but i i will say i think i'm pretty adaptable so you know when i'm home 
I'm, I'm in home life and adapted to that. But then once mm -hmm. I'm on tour, it might take like a couple days to kind of yeah. get over that hump. Um, I remember it was certainly more, um, I think it, when I was touring early on, I think I had a little bit more anxiety around that. Like, Oh, I'm going out on tour. And you know, now it's like, I've toured so many times. It's like by day two, I'm like back in the swing of things and like, you're already cracking jokes and it's already like a, like this weird kind of summer camp kind of vibe. Um, yeah. I know we're going out on tour in the fall, but it has that kind of feeling, you know, when mm -hmm. you're all just yeah. kind of there together and, uh, you're all there for the same purpose. So yeah, I don't know. I just, I just love tour. I mean, the, the, the reaction you get from the fans is awesome. Um, being able to, to travel, I'm a big foodie. So if I can try some mm -hmm. cool, you know, there's some cities where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to hit this place for, for lunch or, or, or just yeah. go off on a mission and find some, some cool food somewhere. I enjoy mm. that. I love to sightsee. I mean, certainly in Europe, there's so much history there. I mean, I'll just get goosebumps walking around like an old cobblestone street in yeah. Germany somewhere or in Italy yeah. or in France. And it just, you just feel the history there. Um, mm -hmm. Or you go to see one of these crazy churches like in, in Austria or something like that, that are just these magnificent feats of architecture. So all that shit I love. And uh, yeah, it makes me miss my, my comfortable bed a little bit less. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I love that. Um, so obviously you're, you guys are on tour and, and that's fantastic getting out, seeing the fans and really reconnecting with people and seeing friends and things. So that leads me quite nicely onto if you had to, I say if you had to, if you could make your dream tour, including obviously Revocation and two other bands, who would they be? It can be like an exclusive mates club. It could be um, two bands you really want, you really admire that you've not toured with yet. Who would you pick? Um, I mean, I gotta go like just the tippy top. Like it would be like yeah. Metallica. <laughs> yeah. And like, let's, we'll do like Slayer, we'll reunite and then <laughs> we'll open the tour. Like, Amazing. How can, you, how can you say yeah. no to that? I mean, I know that um, Lars is a keen listener of this podcast, so I'm sure he'll be in touch again. Yeah, Lars, come on, take us out. <laughs> I love that. I love that. We did a Metallica um, cover back in the day, and a Slayer cover, actually. So Amazing. There we go. I love that. I love that. Um, so I like to end the podcast because we're getting to around that point. I don't want to take too much of your time and things, but I asked two final questions, and the first of which is what are you currently listening to on Spotify, Apple Music, bands you'd like to sort of um, give a little, bit of, a little bit of love to, who you're listening to? And again, it doesn't have to be a metal band if you're not listening to metal. If it's something just, yeah, what are you listening to at the moment? Uh, sure. Let me let me look at my my Spotify here. Um, does it have to be like new or? It can be just whatever you whatever you whatever you're jamming at the minute. Okay uh let's say uh still live by the keith jarrett trio mm -hmm. um we'll go with uh uh i went I, I went back on like an extreme kick so i've been listening to like porno graffiti good amount yeah um uh, anata mm -hmm. under a stone with no inscription um, and then in terms of like 
some like new things that came out, like listen to the new Christian record. We're about to go on tour with them. Um, Amazing. I listened to the new Goat Horror track. About, we're about to go on tour with them. So I, I try to get myself in the mindset for tour. I mm. kind of psych yeah, myself yeah. up. And then well, I'll give a shout out to a newer band, uh, Cosmic Putrefaction. They're they're super sick. They they put out a record not too long ago that's just killer. Mm. Crazy riffs has a very they have a fitting name, right? There's a definitely a mm -hmm. cosmic death metal yeah. element, but it's the putrefaction part is there too. It's just gross. <laughs> like the vocals are tons of reverb. It just sounds very cavernous. Yeah. Um, just sounds like there's like this like alien demonic entity just speaking to you from outer space. Um, but yeah, the, the, the riffs are great. Um, so yeah, a whole mixture. And then we'll go Cobra man. I love, I love nice. Cobra man. I'm pissed. I missed them. They played recently and, uh, I, I was on tour at the time, so I was having a good time, mm. but I, I missed this Cobra Man show that I've been waiting to see. <laughs> Duty calls, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and my final question before we wrap things up is a question I ask every single guest I've had on, and that is, what is the best thing about being in a band? You can take that as literally as you like. You can go serious, not serious, however you want to take it. Um, you know, writing music and releasing music. There's something that's very cathartic for me about writing music um i feel like it's great for my mental health um and then the fact that it's it's like a double payoff because i'd be probably doing this no matter what even if no one was listening to it um but the fact that i can put music out there and people can listen to it it can resonate with people and and give their lives some enjoyment um whether it's just purely like on a superficial level like oh i like this song and it's fun to work work out to or whatever or if they yeah. really kind of dive deep into it and are, are learning the music, it inspires them to start a band or to, to write music of their own, um, or the lyrics inspire them. Like it, no matter how you slice it, for me, it's um, really a joyous thing to be able to put music, especially music. I said this before, but there's a wonderful alchemy to metal mm -hmm. where you take negative shit and you turn it into yeah. something positive or inspiring to I'm people. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the greatest gift for me to be able to kind of get, get the shit out that I need to get out and ha put it out into the world and people can uh, get some enjoyment out of it. Absolutely. I love that. And I'm going to leave the podcast sort of open-ended for yourself to, to obviously say anything you'd like to to your fans, listening to people who might not know you, anything you want to say to people at home listening. Thank you so much for the time. I uh, appreciate the great questions. Check out the new record, Nether Heaven. Uh, it's going to be out September 9th, so I'm not sure if this will they'll already be out by this point when the podcast... It, it, if, if I've done my job correctly, this should come out on the day of release. So as Perfect. you're finishing right. this podcast, then you can go and get it on stream. All right, so yeah, we're just going to say it's out now. We're going to say it's out yeah. now. Yeah. If it's not out now, you know, Matt was slacking, so you got you got to <laughs> break his balls on that one. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much. And uh, yeah, come see us on tour. We're going out, uh, depending on where you're listening from we're going to be hitting us in the fall and we're going to be doing a full european tour uh in the winter time january february so come out and see us play some of these new songs live absolutely uh, i'm hoping to catch you guys at the london show um in the uk because it's like two days before valentine's day and i've got to try and convince my girlfriend to be like we're getting to see a metal show okay. <laughs> um, thanks David, so much thank you so much for your time my dude and um, this will go out obviously at the end of um 29th of September, I forgot what day it is now. Um, thank you so much for the record. Thank you so much for what you do. You're fucking brilliant. Thank I'll you, man. Catch you uh, next time, my dude. Killer. Peace. Peace.